Well, it must it, it must be rewarding. It must be it must be fun to be part of this. Well, you know, it's twenty five years ago when I did it. It's 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 special to be part of something that's lasted fifty years. touched on about the Disney thing of always trying to do something, mm -hmm. a sequel better. And I think that's one of the reasons why Cubby Broccoli, who is passed away now, but was the uh, original producer of the Bond series with Harry Saltzman, and then became the sole producer in partnership with MGM. And his family is still in, in, in pretty much in control anyway of, of the movies. They have always strived to make them striven, I suppose the word is not striven, strived, striven, striven. Um, not simply to exploit the name or the history. They've always tried to make them as good as they can possibly be. And I think that's why, that's to be applauded and I respect that enormously. And I like them very much. They're terrific people. Yeah. And hip, hip, hoorah. 50 years, it's great. It's a long time? Yeah. to Trimming the Movie Fat, the podcast where we trim films from franchises that don't belong. I'm Stephen Nicholson. And I'm Paul Nicholson. And today we're jumping in a cello case and preparing to slide down a snowy hill into Austria as we take on Timothy Dalton's two James Bond movies. M has assigned us a mission to rank each movie top, middle or lower tier Bond. Which movies will survive a whipping from Sanchez's Stingray tale? Dalton's debut, The Living Daylights, the harder-edged License to Kill. Keep listening to find out. We'll also share some Bond facts, provide an overview of each movie, and share our thoughts on each. So, Paul, do you, have you got a favourite scene from, from either of these two movies? It's a good question. Probably, probably in License to Kill, where the, the bad guy, I can't remember his name, the guy that sort of cop that double crosses them and he takes the Heller. money and, he, and yeah Heller and he lets him and then he gives him he gets basically eaten doesn't he because he wants the mm -hmm. money like Bond so for because that was originally from the Little Light Die book apparently mm -hmm. that right. but but for me yeah that's probably the the, the best bit him getting his comeuppance the baddie for yeah, double crossing it, so no like oh, there's Bond there's two million in that suitcase mm. we'll split it it's like no, you keep it. You deserve it. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I think Sharky Sharky's there. What a terrible waste of, of money. money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What about you? What's your favourite scene from the two films? Well, I, I was having to think about this before we started, and I actually uh, kind of got it down to two. And I think uh, one of them is in the Living Daylights, which is that entire sequence on the airfield in Afghanistan from mm -hmm. the action sequence from yeah. Bond and uh, most, uh, Kira? Kira? Kara. Kara. From that whole action sequence to them taking off. And it's just like uh, that opening sequence in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where it's just escalation, one thing after mm -hmm. the other, where one is getting to take off and obviously getting Kara onto the plane. The next is trying to defuse or deactivate the bomb whilst then obviously uh, there's the fight on the plane and the fall at the back of the plane they're hanging onto the cargo net which is brilliant That's and brilliant. then once oh it's amazing so then once Bond does that and gets back on he needs to find the bomb and then he's done that he's like Woof. and then he sits down in the cockpit then they notice the fuel 
oh no <laughs> they sit down and then the plane's heading for the mountaintop and he has to pull that yeah. up out the way and then he's like oh right okay <laughs> then the fuel gauge goes and it's like right and he needs to try and uh, get off the plane that's brilliant uh that whole sequence but uh so that's i think my favorite from that from license to kill i just like then the 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 bit at the end where it's just sanchez and bond yeah and sanchez has got the i think the machete up at bond's face mm. and bond's just going don't you even want to know why and he gets the yeah uh, the, lighter. the lighter from lighter mm-hmm. <laughs> you know from della and lighter uh and obviously sets sanchez in flames that's brilliant nice again just personalizes the whole thing and why bond yeah. went on the adventure that's great yeah that's good yeah. I'll maybe ask a question, Paul, because I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching The Living the Living Daylights. Actors who have played different characters in different Bond movies, because Joe Don Baker's in The Living Daylights playing Whitaker, the arms dealer, and then he yeah. appears in the first two James uh, Pierce Brosnan awesome. movies, yeah. Goldeneye and uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. It's called Wade. Uh, Wade. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah. Can you think of any other? That's a bit of a test for you. Can you think of any other actors in Bond history who have played different characters? The guy who plays Sir Hilary Bray in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. He's in the Spy Who Loved Me, one of the naval commanders. He's in that, and the American guy who lived in London. He's in, I can't remember his name, but he's in like uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. He's in You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever. He plays one of the, what's it called? Oh, yes, yes. He's he, the guy. He, he was in Superman 1 and 2, yeah. Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been in a lot of British-based productions, but he's American, yeah, and I forget his name. Yeah. I know. Um, I'll give you two. Uh, Maud Adams. That's right, yeah. Uh, obviously in The Man with the Golden Gun and the title character in Octopussy and another one, Charles uh, Charles Gray he played Henderson man. Henderson in You Only Live Twice and then Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever so there there are some out there yeah Why do you think they did that? Uh, probably the people are, uh, they're available and like them uh, and pro- mm. uh, it's maybe different times I think where maybe it just wasn't seen as as important to have that mm. uh, consistency of the same people. You've got to think. This summer, try skin diving. Try skydiving. Try water skiing. Try keeping up with Bond. Timothy Dalton is James Bond 007. License to kill. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, July 14th. Okay, well, James Bond is a fictional character created by British novelist Ian Fleming in 1953, a British secret agent working for MI6 under the codename 007. Bond has been portrayed on film in 27 productions to date by actors Sean Connery, David Niven, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Piers Brosnan, and most recently Daniel Craig. Ian Productions, which now holds the adaption rights to all of Fleming's Bond novels, made all but two films in the, the series. And adjusting for inflation, the series has earned over 19.2 billion US dollars and well in 2022 dollars from box office receipts alone with non e uh, with non-eon entries pushing this inflation adjusted figure to a grand total in excess of 20 billion. So before we actually jump into the movies themselves, Paul, what do you what are your recollections of the switch from Roger Moore leaving the Bond role and a view to a kill to Timothy Dalton picking it up in The Living Daylights because you would have been, what, about 10 year old or something at the time. I was <laughs> 13. Yeah. What do, you, what, what do you recollect from that time period? Yeah, it was going to be a big change because we were kind of brought up, particularly in the Roger Moore Bond films. So he was like, although obviously we'd seen Sean Connery as well, but I suppose at that point you're used to the new film coming out being Roger Moore. So it was a big change. But I was quite excited actually about 
about somebody new coming in. I remember kind of going to see it. No, it was quite exciting, actually. A new bond, different different time, late 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah, the first time in our li- first time in our lifetime it had happened. Uh, there had been a mm-hmm. different actor uh, portraying Bond. Um, obviously, that that switchover happening um, in our lifetime. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I remember at the time just it being quite quite strange and just thinking obviously Dalton just looked a lot younger than Roger Moore mm-hmm. uh, and, and just physically it was obviously just quite quite different to Roger Moore and that's uh, just quite strange and uh, I remember at the time thinking oh could you take actually can you take someone else playing the same character and uh, and obviously his portrayal in a lot of ways was quite different, which we'll maybe, we'll maybe talk about. But you've seen The Living Daylights in the cinema. I think you ended up buying the video as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But, but the video, as soon as it, it was on release, yeah, we were buying it then. Because back in those days, you had to wait a while before it'd be on the TV, so we used to buy the VHS. Yeah. <laughs> back back in the four by three aspect ratio. Mm, that's right, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, we said uh, Heller earlier on got fed to the sharks. It was killer for Heller was the one that was uh, going to do a deal for the Stinger um, missiles. The guy with the moustache, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Um, oh, no. no uh, Clean-shaven guy, blondish kind of hair. He was kinda, oh, the guy uh, the end, yeah. army general one. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting them mixed up. Um, yeah. Anyway, talking of Killifer, we've just fed him to the, uh, the sharks, and so now it's time to start critiquing the movie, so let's go. The name that means excitement is back. Bond. James Bond. That girl must be very talented. Shoot up. Believe me, my interest in her is purely professional. What is this? I've had a few optional extras installed. Wherever he goes, adventure follows. Two of our men are dead. Koskoff's named you. Then I must die. Eliminate him. Kill him! moment he lives on the edge whoever she was i must have scared the living daylights out of her james bond 007 the living daylights was there ever a day timothy when because of the great physical stuff that one Mm. must do as bond was there ever a day when you said to yourself why in the world did i ever take this on Oh, no, 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 no. Um, Never got that tough, huh? No, I think the real toughness was just the pressure of work. I mean, it was a very long shooting schedule. It's the longest I've ever worked, and anyway, it's 19 weeks. And in that 19 weeks, I was supposed to have four days off, and I never got them. And often, when you're on location, you work very long hours. I mean, they're not the same hours you work when you're in town. And there is the constant pressure to to think of something. I've got to go on any second and not only be real and believable but also try and find something that's imaginative and new and show another facet of the character. I've got to find ways of making him real and human and interesting and available to an audience. I've also got to find ways of you know, handling what has to be done and that's incessant, it's never ending. So you know, week by week by week that builds up. I think that was the the, uh, the difficulty, I mean, the physical stuff is, you know, you can take a pause, you can have a break, you can get your breath back, and then you can run down the street. I can still run, I might be 40 years old, I can <laughs> run a bit and jump a bit, and <laughs> at least well enough for the camera. The movie has great stunts, it has good special effects, it has a Bond who needs to work on his sense of humor, and it has a Bond girl 
who is not in the great tradition. And I, so I, uh, I should add thumbs, thumbs down. down. Me too, Roger. I was uh, disappointed in the film. I'm not as impressed, actually, with Dalton as you are. Uh, he's better than Roger Boer, but for me, that's not much of a compliment. He's nowhere near Connery was. He's, it's a classic figure. To me, he looked a little mousy. Uh, this Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> I saw him in a new film coming up, uh, Fourth Protocol. I think he might have make a better bond. He has more of the verve for life. This guy seems a little reticent. The other thing that you mentioned I think is very accurate about the Bond woman. She's not very appealing. And then the third point I'd like to make is all of the stunts that work are borrowed from the earlier films. The ticking clock down, remember how down to 007 in the original, they did it, the wheel, the spinning wheel. It's all taken from stuff before. They got nothing new here really, Roger, and that's well, why it doesn't work. Well, I'm not sure exactly how much new you expected them to have at no. this point in the series. They've exhausted the entire life work of Ian Fleming and everybody else who could think of a plot. Exhausted. I've got, I've got to go back now and defend Timothy Dalton. Now, you mentioned Pierce Brosnan, who was also offered this yeah. role. Dalton, I think, does have a very good screen presence here. I think that he, he's the last thing I would describe him as is mousy. I he, think that's a mousy, astonishing okay. thing for you to say. Well, I did it. I called James Bond a mouse. So, The Living Daylights was released in 1987. It was directed by John Glenn, and this was his... I'm doing the maths here. I think he's fourth James Bond movie that he directed. Yeah, he did the 80s. That's right. Uh, plot for this one, British secret agent James Bond, played this time by Timothy Dalton, helps KGB officer Georges Koskov, played by Jerome Crabbe, defect during a symphony performance. During his debriefing, uh, Koskov reveals that a policy of assassinating defectors has been instated by new KGB head uh, Leonard Pushkin, played by John Rhys-Davies. Uh, but as Bond explores this threat, a counterplot surfaces involving a shady American arms dealer, played by Joe Don Baker, and a pair of Russian assassins, played by uh, well, Necros, played by Andreas Wisniewski, uh, who is in Die Hard. For those that don't know, mm. he's one of the terrorists in that. Uh, and Cara uh, Milovey, played by Marianne Dabo. So, the gross for this one, it grossed $191 million worldwide on a budget of 40. The profit multiplier, it made nearly five times its budget. And it was the, well, it was quite surprising. This, it was the 17th highest grossing movie domestically in 1987. So, not a huge hit. Mm. Uh, and the winner that year was Beverly Hills Cop 2, starring Eddie Murphy. Uh, and it is the 12th highest grossing James Bond movie of all time. So ratings wise, it's got a 73% fresh Rotten Tomatoes score, a 59 out of 100 critic Metascore on IMDb, a 66% audience Rotten Tomatoes score and a 6.7 out of 10 IMDb audience rating. So positive, positive scores there. Uh, and here's a fact that the casting of Frederick Warder and Glenn Baker as 004 and 002, who are in the the scene at the beginning, the drill in Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Uh, that was intentional uh, due to the resemblance to George Lazenby and Sir Roger Moore, which I have to say, I don't see it at all yeah, <laughs> when I rewatched it. Um, but yeah, so for the movie's opening scene, the writers wanted to toy with the audience expectations of which of the double O agents was Bond. Yeah. Uh, and in summary, newcomer Timothy Dalton plays James Bond with more seriousness than preceding installments, and the result is exciting and colourful, but occasionally humorless. Uh, what do you think of the... And this was, uh, I'm thinking as well, John Barry's last last score, which we'll a maybe talk song, about. Yeah. Yeah. A swan song, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what do you what do you think of... of um, Living Daylights, its highlights and its lowlights. I think it's a good film, a really good debut for Timothy Dalton. It's, I think it's dated quite a bit now in terms of the way it looks and I guess when we're looking at this we're thinking of, obviously we've seen the, this, the film after this, but it feels like this film is just playing it safe a bit, like just keeping things people are familiar with and sort of the traditional Bond way we're just keeping it safe. Uh, but I think think Timothy Dalton does a really good job finding his feet as Bond. Obviously, the good things about Bond films we've talked about before are they reflect the times as well. And of course, at that time, HIV AIDS thing was very much in the public consciousness. So they wouldn't have Bond f***ing 100 women a film. Whereas, like in the previous film, View to a Kill, I'm sure he had five or six different women. And obviously... Uh, this is a different time now and different bond. So it's like he doesn't 
He doesn't slip around this much. Bond, James Bond. Exercise control 007 here. I'll report in an hour. Won't you join me? Better make that too. That's because Roger Moore uh, was a, a lover, not a fighter. That's right. Mayday, where have you been? I've been waiting for you to take care of me personally. But I think it's good as well because it just it's a bit more believable as well, like we don't find because obviously the last couple of Roger Moore films, I love them, but yeah, there's no way you would believe that Roger Moore, Moore could fight his way out of a paper bag, never mind all these baddies and stuff. So it's a, it's a good film, but it's, I don't think it's one that I would go back to much, but it's good. I'm not a massive fan of Marianne Dabo in it. Kara, uh, I think she's a bit, a bit wooden, really. I think um, from the get-go, you know, uh, I think what you say is true. It's it's a bit of a a stepping stone, if you like this one, from moving away from Moore to, to Dalton and playing it a bit more mm-hmm. seriously. And there's stuff in here which you can imagine Moore saying and getting a laugh with it, which jumps, mm-hmm. which just comes across as clumsy, if you like, with Timothy Dalton mm-hmm. saying it. And there's more serious stuff in here that you could just never imagine Roger Moore, Moore doing. So it's a, it's a bit of a mixed, a mixed bag. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a really good film. Um, really enjoy watching it. I think the, I think immediately with the pre-title sequence, you know, things are being a bit more, are going to be taken a bit more seriously. Uh, yeah. Just the way uh, Dalton's portraying it, and. So it's a good opening sequence, and I like the ingenuity shown by Bond. You know, the end of the pre-title, he jumps, the the, the jeep goes off, yeah, heading towards the water, and he and he and he gets his boot and smashes the window to get an updraft, so he can then mm-hmm. pull the parachute cord mm-hmm. and go up the way. Uh, so good job he had two parachutes, but he was only wearing one. You know, that was mm-hmm. handy. Unless it was his emergency shoot, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, so so it's, it's obviously taking more years. But then things like when they're in Bratislava and is they've went and got Kara's uh, cello and they're they're kind of driving away and the police start following them and Dalton has to deliver some one-liners like when the police car is kind of cut in two and it's like what happened. Salt corrosion. And there's another one, but atmospheric condition where they're picking up the police radio. There must be an atmospheric anomaly. And it just doesn't just land at all. Why couldn't you learn the violin? You know. Why couldn't you learn the violin? Uh, but uh, in fact, even just before that, but but the, the reverse side of things talked about where what was good about it is the more serious where when they've just got uh, Koskov defected. And yeah. they've put them through the pipeline, you know, the pipeline to the we've got a pipeline to the west, which is a good line. And he he picks up oh, I forget the the guy Saunders picks up the guy Saunders yeah. and they're driving towards the border. And I think Saunders is saying you didn't do things by the book and I think Bond's going, Oh stuff my orders. I only kill professionals. God did no one end of a rifle from the other. Go ahead, tell him what you want. He fires me, I'll thank him for it. Moore's yeah, Bond would good. never do that. No. <laughs> right? I and know. that was good, dramatically. Really good bit that I suppose in a way typifies what Bond would become is when they're in that theme park and the guy, his colleague, the, the doors smash and kill him. And then when you see him burst in the balloon, mm-hmm. you can see that that's what he becomes in the next film, really, that, that mm-hmm. bit there. I think that's really good. Actually, John Glenn does a good job after that, where uh, I think Kara catches up with Bond. Did you hear? Hear from Yorkie? Yes. I got the message. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all good stuff. You know, that's all good stuff. You want to go on again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, funnily enough, obviously that's uh, Vienna, and that was one of the reasons why I got engaged mm. in Vienna because I wanted to go to that that theme park and actually mm. go on the which I which I, did, yeah. I went on the I went on the which is the oldest uh, Ferris wheel in the world. 
right. Yeah, and uh, so it's kept those old style big. <laughs> it's like cargo container wood type yeah. things, but it's cool. That's, that's that's why I ended up going to uh, to Vienna. But uh, yeah, it's a lovely place. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's that's, and I think actually Saunders' death is pretty brutal. You know the yeah, is, yeah. The, the glass doors closing on him. Uh, and that hits that that does hit because I think uh, Dalton sells it, doesn't he? His anger. Yeah. You know, no, after right. thanking him, which is again another nice moment. Uh, Saunders. Thanks. Yeah, because he wasn't. It was like they didn't get on with each other originally. That's right. Compromise the mission and all that, but but he sort of thanks him again. I was, I was saying, Christatus likes that pretender song, doesn't he? I know. Where, Where does everybody, everybody go? go? I know, like <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> must, yeah, have bought, must have bought the cassette single, just the same. <laughs> Maybe the the lyric, the the vocal one on one side and the instrumental on the other. I like it when he puts on his. He's tries to be. Oh, it might English. <laughs> I know. Usual, usual guys off. Hi, AJ, mate. AJ. <laughs> Uh, it's good. Uh, Although I'll tell you, that was another great sequence in the movie when he obviously goes into the, uh, into the I forget the country house where they're holding uh, Yorgi, and he has the fight with the MI6 agent in the kitchen, and it's actually very oh, yeah. unusual for there to be an action sequence that doesn't involve Bond, where you've got another guy mm. really stepping up and giving a good account. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that's a great action sequence. Yeah, the kitchen fight. You may have a malfunction. Yeah, and the, the hot water as well when he throws it over. Him. Yeah, and really, yeah. really good scene. <laughs> what, what do you think of Yorgi himself? Quite annoying. <laughs> oh, really? I think it's hilarious. But that's probably... But that's probably he's meant to be that way. He's a manipulator, and James, James, I will never forget what you did for me. Thank you so much. I like the character. The actor was he was in the fugitive as well. That's right, he's he good. was good in that as well. Yeah, he's, he's Dutch, isn't he? Yeah. I don't. I think so. But he's 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 slimy and conniving, but he's so good at it. You, you can't help but yeah. like him. I told you the British believe me. I told you. Yeah, I told you. I like him. I think he's great. Yeah, I was going to say as well about the you, you were talking about different different times, uh, and Bond is less promiscuous in this movie. But I actually do think Kara and Bond's relationship does have, you know, a genuine. I think it's, yeah. it's a genuine one. You didn't think I'd miss this performance, did you? He's getting to know her, really, isn't he? Whereas in the past. It would have been straight there. You do feel, as the film goes on, you do imagine that they could be a couple. You do believe it. Because you're kind of not sure during the film, is she a goodie or a baddie? Well, here's 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 a thing. I don't know. This is, I've seen this film many times. I've seen it twice when it came out at the cinema in 87. Uh, but re-watching it this time round. And I got to see it last year when they were all re-released. You know, I knew... Oh, yeah. What, each one was being re-released week by week, so it was good to see it back on the big screen. Uh, and I didn't notice it last year, but re-watching it uh, uh, just in the last few weeks, you know how they've got that pig's heart, which is and when they're pretending to be doctors boarding the plane? Yeah, and the, the diamonds. Heart, and the yeah. diamonds around it is mm-hmm. meant, uh, meant to look like ice. I never noticed that what's on the side of the box, uh, which is, now what was it again? Is it Treat Like Eggs? Oh, I never noticed that, yeah. Never noticed it, yeah. Or handle like egg, something like that. Obviously, just to be really careful with it, which I've never noticed before. Yeah, handle like eggs. Uh, so obviously, Yorgi gets, or we're meant to believe Yorgi's been snatched back. And so then Bond is assigned to go after Pushkin because MI6 believe he's uh, instigated Spertspirnum. Uh, and death to all spies. Death to all spies. Uh, but so we eventually end up in Afghanistan after uh, Kara and That's good. Bond are yeah. captured. Mm-hmm. Well, 
what do you think of the Afghan uh, the Afghanistan stuff? It's more comedic, really, isn't it? I think like that guy. What's his name? Ram- Malik. What's the Art Malik? Yeah, he's yeah. good. He's quite funny. The guy's accent's a bit off, isn't he? The guy that the guard didn't tell you to get down. <laughs> I did not tell you to get up. His accent's a bit funny. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, no, Russia, I think Russia by the Midlands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's more humorous, actually, and same with a bit. Oh, hey, we're fantastic, we're free. Kara, we're inside a Russian airbase in the middle of Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. Was it the Mohajadin? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Mohajadin. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I quite like that bit actually. Uh, I think it slows down a wee bit too much. Uh, it does mm. pick it up again, obviously, but I think it slows down a wee bit too much uh, during Afghanistan. All you, yeah, there is some good humour um, in place in place there. Uh, but yes, John Glenn does shoot some beautiful stuff. Well, in mm. Afghanistan, you know, the sunrise and everything there. So there's, there is good stuff to see within it. Uh, of which, and again, something I've never seen before, just when I rewatch it there, if you go back to it, and, and with about 30 minutes to go, when Bond is about to make his way to get onto the truck, which is going to take the uh, the opium back to the mm. Russian airbase. Yeah. Right. Right. So when he's moving away, have a look in the background. <laughs> There's a guy in amongst the camels and all that with jeans and t-shirt and trainers on. <laughs> really? <laughs> Obviously, one of the production staff, and it's never been spotted. It looks like he's getting the camels to to come. <laughs> you know, go from uh, right to left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's obviously it's obviously just uh, been a mistake, which they've never uh, rectified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then we get the obviously that brilliant sequence uh, in the air once the which I've already talked about. A nice wee line from Dalton actually. What happened? He got the boot. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Not> right. <laughs> but fair play to the stuntmen for doing that. Hang on to. The cargo yeah. at the back of the plane. Apparently, it was, was really, really dangerous as right. well. I think it was. Was it Jake Lombard? I think that was the name, the stunt guy. Because mm. he'd done quite a few of the Bond films. But yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely amazing. And and to be honest as well, I think even the bits where it's the actors, the special effects are quite good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do, do you know when it, when it's the actors and obviously it's in a studio, but actually it looks quite convincing. It does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, and then, so anyway, uh, Bond then goes to visit uh, Brad Whitaker mm-hmm. <laughs> to confront him and does something very stupid. What is that stupid thing, Paul? <laughs> no? That, that was clever. Right, so you've got Brad Whitaker there and he's like, I've got the latest guns. Right, obviously he's got a shield mm-hmm. over him. Mm-hmm. Right. Shoot him in the leg, Bond. Like, mm. it's, it's like when Roger Moore used to always keep punching Jaws in the face <laughs> and hurting mm. his hand from the metal teeth. Don't punch him in the face. Punch him anywhere else. It's like that. It's, it's like Bond. Why Why shoot the shield? <laughs> shoot, shoot him Is in the arm. It... Shoot him in the leg. <laughs> Is it because he's, the bottom half of his body was covered? or No, it's not. It's because obviously right. um, it's it's uh, obviously more entertaining <laughs> if he doesn't mm. get shot, uh, and obviously has the you know and the statue <laughs> falls in him. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, had was, I think he's had his Waterloo. He's had his Waterloo. Yeah, uh, and we got a new we got a new money penny in this Caroline mm-hmm. Bliss. What did you think of her? She's okay. Yeah. I don't know, just I know it's all its time, but you know, she talks about Barry Manlow and flirts with James and, mm-hmm. but uh she was okay. It's hard because she was only really that was the only film. She wasn't in license to kill, was she? Oh she was, yeah, but very oh, she, she was uh but hardly, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think she was maybe no, yeah. what two scenes at most in like in license to kill. Yeah, she reminds me a bit of Penelope Smallbone and Octopussy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Money Penny's assistant. 
Yeah, but yeah, she doesn't get much time to to land because she just got the two movies there, and her second mm. one she's barely barely in it. And as I mentioned already, John Barry's last James Bond score. What do you think mm. of it? Obviously, it's of its time. It's not as good as a view to a kill because I think a view to a kill doesn't really use the latest technology; it just uses traditional instruments. Whereas this one's a bit more. There is that eighties sound. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not one of my favourites, but obviously it's great that it's John Barry and obviously he didn't realise at the time that would be his last one. And the theme as well, the theme, it's a good song. I liked it at the time, but it's it's, it's another one I don't think it's aged particularly well, just the production, just the 80s production. Like it's a good song, mm-hmm. but it's just 80s production kind of drags it down a bit for me. I actually like the soundtrack more, I think, as the years go by. Um, it kind of impresses me more, ironically. Um, but yeah, I mean, John Barry, just what a, a legacy um, he brought to the, the, the James Bond movies with his music and songs. And AHA uh-huh, title track, yeah, it's a good tune. Um, do I think it's one of the best mm. ones? No, but yeah, it's, it's, good. it's a good tune. Number and buying course, the 12 inch, the back yeah, of the record when it came out. Yep. It's mm-hmm. not line over here. <laughs> I remember at the time, was it John Barry and AHA uh-huh didn't get one, did they? We walked away out of there quite happy, but we heard some um, some rather um, rough words coming from his sides uh, afterwards. But you know, we can live with that. They thought they were having a good time. Wow! Well, what planet were they on? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, not at all. I actually prefer yeah. the Pretender song at the end. If there was a man. It's better than. You just get sick of hearing it. <laughs> That's kind of, I think, a bit of a, a more of a dated one there. But yeah, the mm-hmm. if there was a man, thinks a great tune. Yeah, in mm-hmm. fact, yeah. for me, that should have been there. Should have been the main theme, actually. Now, pay attention, 007. Even kinder. We need to rank this Bond movie top, middle or lower tier Bond where would you put it Paul? I would say the middle yep I would agree if you I'd put it in the middle um, as well yep uh, a worthy entry to the series if not one of its its top movies the first question you ask a producer is what do you want of me? do you want me to carry on in the vein that's been set? Or do you want to set off on a new course? The safe, the easy answer is to say, stick with it as it is. In which case, I guess I'd have said no. Roger was brilliant at what he did, but I couldn't simply copy what he'd done. The movies have become somewhat pastiche. Before you go too long, you've you've become a parody of yourself. You've lost depth, you've lost texture, you've lost contradictions. You start to get shallow. Right, let's turn our attention to Licence to Kill, released in 1989 and directed by John Glenn. And this was the last James Bond film he directed. And indeed, this was the last James Bond movie for a significant number of the production staff who had been working on the franchise for, by this point, nearly 30 years. I want you to know this is nothing personal. It's purely business. Killing me won't stop anything, Sanchez. See you in hell! (laughs) This private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. You're going after Sanchez, aren't you? Are you crazy? Make a sound, and you're dead. No! Your license to kill is revoked. Effective immediately. In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. Problem solved. More of a problem eliminator. (laughs) (laughs) 
is where it ends, Commander. He's got to be stopped. How did that first film really affect your life in the last two years? Well, I mean, you've, 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 you've made the most important point. It worked. People did love it. I mean, not everybody, because already you could see that the, the style of the movies was beginning to change slightly, and everyone has an opinion. Everyone knows what kind of bond they want, and certainly, you know, some people prefer, like, R Roger Moore to Sean Connery, and mm -hmm. sometimes vice versa. But it did work, so there was an establishment. It wasn't the personal failure that it could have been. Yeah. So I was very, very relieved, very, mm -hmm. very pleased. Delighted, in fact. My basic reaction is that the picture is uneven, ranging from quite exciting to tedious. With Roger Moore now thankfully out of the picture, Timothy Dalton returns as 007, and the result is a more traditional character, less the wise guy, more the gutsy hard worker, and I like that difference. But Timothy Dalton is solid as Bond. Robert Davi is a good villain, although the villain itself, the character as written, isn't that uh, powerful. He doesn't seem like a classic Bond villain who's going to take over the world. There isn't a lot of romance there. Uh, he just looks like another drug dealer. I have to give the film, therefore, a mixed review. I can't recommend it enthusiastically, sort of reluctantly. It's a real close call for me. I give it thumbs down. Thumbs up for me. I liked it, I guess, a lot more than you did. And one of the things I noticed was that they are trying, at last, to make the Bond pictures a little more contemporary in feeling. Uh, I'm Dalton not sure part. that yes, I'm not sure that I was happy that the villain this time is a quasi-realistic South American drug kingpin. I liked That's, it better yes. when we had the gold fingers, you know, exactly. who were going to take over the entire world. Yes. I don't like. I, I, I'm getting tired of drugs as a subject I, uh, I am of, right there. of movies and an excuse for evil in movies. But apart from that, I think the Dalton character this time, Timothy Dalton's performance, has really found its stride. I think he is has turned out to be a very good choice for James I Bond. I think so. He's more matter of fact. He's a little harder, a little tougher, a little leaner, uh, less obsessed with sex, more involved in action. It's more of a, of, a, of a performance that seems to realize that we've now had all the Rambo pictures, the Indiana Jones pictures, action pictures that have come along since James Bond and that were, were uh, threatening, I think, to make the whole series seem sort of obsolete. Did you think, when I, you were sort of nodding, I, I could see out of the corner of my eye when I was talking about the dirty look of the film. Didn't that surprise you? I don't know, what, uh, I don't know what's wrong there. There were a couple of, of missing shots, missing transitions. Uh, feelings that we got from one place to another place without it being explained. But I'm talking about art direction. I mean, really... Well, that didn't bother me. One thing I liked in terms of art direction and stunt coordination was the final chasing involving mm -hmm. those three gigantic gasoline tankers down that mm -hmm. twisting mountain road. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is as sensational a chase sequence as we've seen in any Bond picture. So I, I like that. It's not a bad picture. Even this conversation, though, reflects the mixed nature or mixed reaction I had to the picture. So the plot for this one, uh, James Bond takes on his most daring adventure after he turns renegade and tracks down one of the international drug cartel's most brutal and powerful leaders. After the murder of his just married friend, he is fighting not only for country and justice, but for personal revenge. So the gross for this one, it grossed 156 million worldwide on a budget of 40. The profit multiplier it made four times its budget and it was the 37th highest grossing movie domestically in 1989. Yeah. And number one, not unsurprisingly, that year was Batman. I mean, that was the best year for movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a great year, yeah. Uh, and it is the 16th highest grossing official James Bond movie of all time. So ratings-wise, 79% uh, fresh Rotten Tomatoes score, which is which is up on the living daylights. Uh, 58 out of 100 critic med score on IMDb, a 61% Rotten Tomatoes audience score, which is down on the living daylights, and a 6.6 .6 IMDb audience rating, which is about the same as the living daylights. And a fact for you, making their final appearances with the James Bond franchise, Richard Maybaum, uh, the writer, John Glenn, the director, Morris Binder, the title designer, Robert Brown as M, Caroline Bliss as Miss Moneypenny, and Timothy Dalton as James Bond. And in summary, License to Kill is darker than many of the other Bond entries, with Timothy Dalton playing the character with intensity, but it still has some solid chases and fight scenes. So, uh, 
I think this movie, Paul, <laughs> uh, for kind of studying for this, I did watch them back to back. And what really comes through is it's like a completely different movie to The Living Daylight. It's mm. completely different tone, attitude. Well, <laughs> it takes place on different continents as well, <laughs> but a completely different style of of movie. I know you, um, I don't think you've seen this at the cinema. I did. It was a 15. First um, one seemed to be a 15. Yeah. And I think I had maybe just turned 15 at the time. Uh, and, and so I was lucky I got to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, you bought the video though, uh, although it had a the really cover, rubbish, really. rubbish red cover. It was mm-hmm. rubbish. It's boring. Um, anyway, what did you think of License to Kill? Brilliant film. I think it's one of the highlights in the Bond, fran- Bond franchise. But I think it's one of these films that was underappreciated at the time because yep. it is very different. In some ways, it doesn't feel like a Bond film. In some ways, it feels like a real late 80s action movie, you know, like Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Beverly Hills Cop. But it's, it's almost like Living Daylights was just playing it safe to to really bring in Timothy Dalton to, to bring in the new Bond. And it feels like this time they can go off in a different direction. And it's just very different. And it, but I think it's a really brave thing to do and probably set up Daniel Craig for 2006 when he came in, really. But I feel at that point, maybe the public weren't ready for it in the late 80s. Sort of, it was a bit more violent and... But, but I think that's what I liked about it as well, that you could see that Stella, uh, Felix's wife, and how much they meant to Stella. him. Stella! How, mu- how much they Stella. meant to him. Stella. <laughs> Stella. Is it not Stella? It's Stella. 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 Yeah. Is it Della? Della oh, right. with a D. All right, I thought yeah. Stella. Right. <laughs> you're just thinking of your favourite. <laughs> just thinking you've. You're just thinking you've got to the pub. Stella, please. <laughs> Two but, pints. But, <laughs> but I think it. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's just it's a very colourful film. Whereas when I think of the you know, I think of that very European kind of dark. Whereas this is like colourful and like American or Central America, and I kind of like that. And it's just, yeah, it, it, it's just really Timothy Dalton really makes it his makes it his own here. This 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 film and and I think the soundtrack's quite good as well. But we'll come to that in a minute. But no, I think it's really good, and I think it's a really brave thing to do. Probably history will say it didn't pay off, but I think it's one of these films, a bit like Honor Majesty's, that was a real departure that didn't maybe. Wasn't as successful, mm-hmm. but years later, it's actually seen as a real classic. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a divisive movie even now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've got people that love it. I mean, I love it as well. Like you, I think it's brilliant. You've got people that just don't think it's a James Bond mm-hmm. movie and do view it as it's just a you know an eighties action movie. And I think a lot of that is maybe because Michael Kamen scored it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good it's a good score, but Michael Kamen is uh when you hear the Die Hard movies, the Lethal Weapon movies, it's Highlander. Michael Kamen, Highlander. Mm-hmm. So so it, it kind of I think that's why it it, it kind of maybe people identify with it in, in that way. It's obviously a much more serious movie than mm-hmm. Living Daylights. It's written with Dalton in mind. And I think even the humour is more tweaked to him now where mm. it's uh, much more subtle. For example, I love it when he goes up to meet Sanchez mm-hmm. in his office, and Sanchez is going... Well, it's very difficult to obtain a work permit in Isthmus. It's, uh, well, one has to show a special talent that people here don't have. Mm. Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. So the, the humour in this is really quite quite good because it is um mm-hmm. uh tweet just uh Dal- dalton's uh delivery which uh, and i think he's great in it and another thing which 
he does in this movie, which he started in The Living Daylights. As you can see, he's obviously much more involved in the action and actually mm-hmm. doing some of the, the yeah. stunts and the action, like the truck sequence. You know, he's actually on, uh, obviously not all of the stuff, but he actually is on the trucks yeah. um, and things like that, which which helps sell it, of course. So I think that's that that's that's the big thing that Dalton's involved in it more than uh, I think Connery and Moore were, who are quite happy yeah. to let the stunt men <laughs> do that kind of stuff. So fair play to Dalton for for, for doing that. Uh, I think Sanchez is one of the best James Bond villains. He's brilliant. Yes, ah, yeah, Ro- I think Robert Davi. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah? he's so charismatic and. Again, his delivery is very understated. The humor. What about the money, Patron? Laundered. He's great. I, I think he's one of the best Bond villains. I think yes. he's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Got a lot of good, a lot of good lines in it. Um, I actually believed he. I actually believed that he was from like Central or South America, and that, and obviously, then you realise that. Obviously, he's American, but I thought he's really, and he has that little iguana as well and stuff like yeah. that. It just, it is of its time as well, but I think that's, I just thought he was really good. He was really sinister, but he almost, he respects Bond as well when he gets to mm-hmm. know him. You know, it's like, but the way Timothy Dalton plays, it's brilliant as well, because it's like, I'll gain your trust by doing these things. And uh, one of the, the other thing I was going to say, one of the favourite, funniest bits is when he, He's got all the money and he checks in the bank of the Isthmus. Oh, yeah. I've come to make a small deposit. Well, I'm sure my people downstairs are quite capable of it. Please sit down. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's lots of good humour like that in it. And the uh, I think location-wise, I was quite lucky... In 2001, part of my honeymoon, I got to go to a couple of these locations uh, in Key West. Uh, I forget the name of the island, but the the island that is actually filmed some of the, I think, the underwater stuff and the the sequence where Bond jet skis kind of behind the the plane that's taken yeah. off, uh, mm-hmm. which a brilliant sequence actually. That's really good. Yes. Um, and the sequence on the island where. Sanchez goes to kill um, the lover of is it Felipe? Felipe? What did he promise you? His heart? Give her his heart. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so I got to go there, which was cool. And also Key West, some of the places that Ernest Hemingway's house where uh, Bond meets M uh, and he's told he's taken his, mm-hmm. his license as revoked. So, so that's pretty cool. But with uh, Yeah, I've, I've been there as well, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I've been Ernest Ernest Hemingway's house, and also the bar that they're in. We went to there, and actually, I had oh, to really? correct the one with the fight. Yeah, I had oh, to correct really? the, cool. I had to correct the tour guide because he got the year of that film wrong. He was he was doing. We were on the tour bus, and said this is where Bond film was filmed in 1984. So I had to correct him. So actually, it was 1989. <laughs> so, how many people has he told the wrong information to? I know. <laughs> what, what what did he say to you after? Flash out. Yeah, yeah. He was good, yeah. <laughs> he's another one, actually. Professor Joe Butcher, yeah. Yeah, he's good. Then you have my resignation, sir. We're not a country club, 007. So let me ask the question. See, on the day of your marriage, would you be happy if uh, your your wife was going around with the best man the way Della does? Oh, James, I wanted you to have something. You know the tradition? The next one who catches this is the next one who... No. Thanks, Della. It's time I left. I know. Yeah, because I'm sure... Yeah, we were listening to... I think it was another Bond podcast or something, and, and they were saying that as well. They were like... Does he not kiss her on the lips and everything, doesn't he? Oh, she, she's all over him. Yeah. I know, I know. I, know, <laughs> I was reading somewhere where the, some fan uh, fiction were like, ah, 
Bond, Lighter and Della. I've been having a good time the three of them. He's been getting his lighter lighter out, yeah. It is. He looks lighter up. But uh but even that actually Della's um deaf, you know. Where's my wife? Don't worry. We gave her a nice honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even the likes that for a Bond movie is quite shocking. Yeah. And of course, that the debut of uh, Del Toro as well, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. was his debut. He's good mm-hmm. now. Yeah, he gave her a honeymoon. A good honeymoon. I know. <laughs> uh, I said it's nice, nice that uh, Q gets a bit more to do in this one. It is actually, yeah. And he's good it actually. Is. He is. He's funny. Uh... Oh, really, 007 Q? What the hell are you doing here? I might have killed you. Well, I'm on leave. Apart from you can totally see it's a stuntman when he goes into the room and he falls in the chair. You can totally see it. Oh, yeah. But he, I think he's quite good when... Is it Lip, Lippy? It's Lippy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, button, the girl comes in and she's just going to Pam. Oh, I love you. So you've, got, I know. you've got to help him. Um, and <laughs> Q's in the back then just kind of rolling his eyes going, oh. You know, if they find anything suspicious... Listen, it's all right. He's safely out of the country by now. You don't understand. Last night he stayed with me. But Sanchez, Harris? See, Francis, take him on a trip. They leave in an hour. You must help him. If anything happens to him, I don't know what I'll do. You know, I love James so much. Look, you must go before you're missed. Now, don't worry. We'll think of something. I love James so much. I'll be damned if I'll help him. Look, don't judge him too harshly, my dear. Field operatives must often use every means at their disposal to achieve their objectives. Bullshit. Let's let's talk about the Bond girls then. So Pam Bouvier, what do you think? She's good, yeah. Did she? She used to be married to Richard Gere. Yeah, Carrie Lowell. Yep, Carrie Lowell. Yeah, she's good, and it's funny how you can tell she's wearing a wig at the start that they make out that that's a real no. year. Yeah, but no, I think I think she's quite good. She's quite strong, Bond woman, and mm-hmm. but she genuinely is. You know, mm. every film, well, she's a different Bond girl, she's stronger, but she actually mm. is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she can tell them off, and but she can also look after herself as well. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, in, the silver, in the silver dress. That's right. Uh, That's or, yeah, in the, in the, but what's her name? The other one's a bit wooden. <laughs> Lip, Lippy, yeah. Lippy, Lippy, she's Lippy, a bit. Lippy, yeah. <laughs> Lippy, Lippy. James, don't go. I'm scared. What's going to happen to us? Don't worry. When this is all over, I'll make sure you get back home. Home? It took me 15 years to get away from there. I don't want to go back. Can't we leave together? I'll be safe with you. Yeah, I think I think she was a, a model, um, which might explain it. I actually don't mind, mind her delivery uh, that, that much, but... Uh, but I think there's good contrast between the Bond women because they're yeah. quite different. They're quite and the, different there. One of the, the president, he's uh, see not the nephew or the grandson, but son of the guy from and from Russia with Love. Yeah. You know the uh, guy that uh, died. He yeah. was the son, I'm sure the son of Pedro. Pedro Altamore, I can't remember the, the surname. Mm. Yeah, he was the son, which is a nice touch. He actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the best lines in the movie is directed at him. There's been a mistake with my check. Look at it. It's half the usual amount. You were very quiet when I was arrested. Remember, you're only president for life. That's right, <laughs> Which is which is great, but there's lots of swearing in this. Well, for a Bond movie, mm-hmm. uh, really, uh, until I don't know, the eighties was maybe the first time we got a sweary word in a Bond movie. But you would, you might only get the one. This there's there's maybe four or five. Because that's maybe why it's a fifteen as well. Yeah, I know, just, and mm-hmm. lots of smoking as well. I help people with problems. Problem solver. I'm more of a problem eliminator. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good line, isn't it? Yeah, that's, again, that's another yeah. funny one. They're all more of a problem, and they're all <laughs> they'll turn into Beavis and Butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and what did you think of the title song? It's good, yeah. I think it's a good song. It's in some ways a bit like Living Daylights, it's a bit dated with the active production. But what's good in it, you do have like there's a real orchestra, but it's all the other bits that are very kind of eighties, but that that's period. But it's mm-hmm. it's a good song, but I think it could have been a lot better. With, the, mm-hmm. with different production, but it's kind of going back to like Goldfinger a bit, that sort of. But it's very eighties though. Yeah, obviously it's a uh, it's a a riff quite literally on Goldfinger, isn't it? I like mm-hmm. it. It's good. Obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. very eighties production. And Michael Kamen's score. Are you a fan? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, a lot of his films do sound the same. Like you probably could listen to a soundtrack mm-hmm. and think. Not be sure, was it from Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Highlander, mm-hmm. License to Kill You, probably. But no, I think it's good. And like it is, it is of its time, you know, that late 80s. And, but I, I quite like it, actually. It's different. It's not as good as John Barry, but it's just different for a change. And it kind of reflects it was a different film, different Bond film, different Bond. So I think it worked well having it all, di- all different, actually. Yeah, the... Well, I bought the, the title track, Gladys Knight, on 7-inch, and on the B-side mm-hmm. was Pam, which is from the soundtrack, and it picks up the, it's a bit of music as Bond and Pam are leaving the bar. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, she, and Bond thinks she's been shot dead, but she'll be a professor. Okay. It's the music that picks up there until... Mm-hmm. Then yeah, that's great. That's, that's yeah. a good region, but yeah, so it's a good soundtrack. It's, it's a bit different. I'm still mm-hmm. flabbergasted that that bar is a real bar. Well, we, yeah, we were outside. We didn't go in, but we were right. outside the bar. Uh, I think so pro- probably a studio. It's probably interior. yeah. Inside, it's probably a, a studio. Yeah, sorry. In the film, the bits in the yeah. bar probably, but it's it was outside. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, you? no, it's good. Didn't know that. Very cool. I've got photos of it. I can maybe even send them to you if you want to put Very. them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that would be great. Can we put them on Facebook for mm-hmm. everybody to see? That would mm-hmm. be awesome. So let's rank this movie then. So are we going top, middle, or lower tier for a license to kill? Top. Yep, top for me as well. One of the best James Bond movies, and I would say it's in my top five. I would say top five favorites. I would say so too. Yep, um, too. more than happy to put this on just to, and sit back and enjoy two hours. Mm-hmm. Of uh, of classic Bond. Thanks. Okay, so um, what do you think is Dalton's legacy as Bond? Then paving the way for Daniel Craig. It wasn't maybe acceptable at the time to be the way he was as Bond, but he actually set the standard for which Daniel Craig kind of took on. Mm-hmm. Almost twenty years later, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, probably ahead of his time. Um, I get what people said about the humour side of things. That maybe uh, the humour was maybe a bit a bit lacking. Mm-hmm. But you, you could throw the same accusation at the Daniel Craig movie as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bond movies always kind of shift with the times, and they have adapted. Otherwise, uh, the way I view it is like um, uh, musical acts who adapt to the times as well because mm-hmm. they keep playing the same style then people lose interest. You've got to adapt and, and keep doing something new to keep people's interest. That's right. And the, the Bonds franchise has done that extremely well. And I think now uh, they've reached a point where we're in 2023. We had, well, nearly two years ago now, the last Daniel Craig James Bond movie. And for me, I think the public now are wanting to move away from this very ultra-serious Bond that we've had yeah, 15-20 years we actually need something a bit more light-hearted again um, the, you know, something that just pitches at, at the right the right balance between the humour and seriousness we don't want to go full camp but you just yeah. want something that's a bit more that like you could sit down with your kids on Christmas Day and watch the James Bond movie you know Yeah, and not, and not be part and be standalone films as well that would be good mm-hmm. yep, I think, I think we're ready just for mm-hmm. 
or something a wee bit different again i'm sure mm. i'm sure they'll i'm sure they'll do that so normally at this stage we we kind of rank <laughs> the movies in order of preference but we only have two in this episode and i think it's quite easy to work out which way we're ranking them which is we're both in agreement living daylight second license to kill first definitely yeah <laughs> okay right well we now need to decide paul what we'll do next what do you think which movies will we do? So we've, we've kind of uh, ploughed the espionage, spy, action, thriller route for the the last few episodes. So we need to maybe change it up. What do you think? Police academies. <laughs> yeah, police academies. Uh, uh, well, that would mean I'd have to watch Mission to Moscow, which I've never seen. Yeah. Or Highlander. You've not missed it. Yeah, yeah, could do Highlander. Uh, I actually would like to now I've <laughs> obviously the original love sequel I've not seen it's in not years bad. but yeah. Highlander 2 I suppose when you compare it to the, the other sequels it's, it's not that bad uh, well I have to say I don't think I've ever fully seen any of the sequels other than the second one I've seen bits of them and mm. that and those bits were enough to make me not want to watch the, <laughs> to watch the rest. How many is there? Is it four or five? Five. Oh, Four's okay. Five's uh-huh. pretty rubbish, and three's pretty rubbish. Right, let's do Highlander, will we? We'll do Highlander, then, yeah. Okay. Ah, oh, it's going to be torturous. But <laughs> I think we'll make for a very good episode. I'm sure there'll <laughs> be uh, <laughs> lots of things to... Uh, to like, uh, but even more to criticise. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not how to, to to run a film series. Okay, let's yeah. do Highlander for the for the next one then. For the, the Highlander franchise. So, if you've got uh, any thoughts on Timothy Dalton's James Bond tenor, uh, then please feel free to get in touch. Uh, if you want to have your thoughts, share your thoughts about the Highlander franchise, uh, so we can share them with everyone on the next episode please feel free to get in touch and you can find the details to do that in the episode description so thank you for listening and until next time keep trimming <laughs>